Alright, welcome to another episode of EM Over Easy. We're actually home again. Finally, we've uh, been on the road for a few recording sessions back at DK Diner here in wonderful Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I'm Drew Kelno, joined by Andy Little, Tanner Gronowski, and we have an awesome guest, uh, the Pesos EM. He's uh, tentatively putting his foot in the, uh, the Twitter water, uh, Juan Morales. Juan Morales. Thank you. And uh, it's going to be a fun episode today. We're excited to have uh, Dr. Morales on. He is a uh, night shift and uh, ultrasound extraordinaire, uh, so we're, we're blessed by his presence. We're going to talk about something totally unrelated to both, however. Uh, which is a topic that I think is really interesting. If it's not airway, I love talking about this type of stuff, which is social dynamics in medicine, and in this case, specifically dealing with consultants. You so, just like arguing with people. Yeah, but so but there's a method to this, right? I don't start. I don't jump straight to arguing. That is, uh, that's DEFCON three. No, but it's the the <laughs> concept of I am winning this conversation. Oh, I'm always going to win the conversation. <laughs> Have you ever been out with Drew? I think we've been out with Drew before. There's no doubt, although apparently I've lost two conversations already this morning. I've, apparently I lost the, uh, the cargo pant conversation on our, our first episode, which yes. I still protest. So I, I, don't, I don't want to sit here and, and banter too much before we actually get going. There'll be plenty of bantering going on, but uh, let's talk a little bit about just what's your approach to talking to consultants. Before we even get to a difficult consultant, there's some rules of engagement, as I like to think about it when you're talking to a consultant. But before I go over my rules, how you guys approach that conversation that happens time over time again in the ER, because that's basically what we do, is talk to consultants. Well, I think part of it's how you approach it. Um, you know, we've all had that incident where you pick up the phone and you're like, hey, this is Andy, and then they're like, hello, this is Dr. So-and-so. And to me, it's, it's one of my favorites, especially when it's an intern. Yeah. That'll be a, a rant from Drew in about five minutes, just give him time. Um, but no, for me, it's mostly just starting with a conversation with, hey, this is one of your colleagues. My name is Andy. If they have a specific question of who I am, I'll mention I'm a resident. Or when I moonlight, I mention I'm one of the attendings here. Um, and then I really kind of get to the point. I give them a short synopsis of the patient. But before I even do that, a lot of people, you know, you watch interns do it, they give you this long HPI, but it's, hello, I'm calling you for, to admit the, this following patient to the hospital. Or I'm calling because I need you to come see this patient. So I lead with what I want them to do for me. That way, they're not like lost in the minutiae of the conversation. And then I get to what I want them to do. They've stopped listening. And then they're like, what? What do you need me to do again? So I lead with, hi, this is Andy. I have a patient I want you to come see. And then I kind of give them the story. I like that. I, it's, I think, pretty similar overall to what I've learned. And that may be something I picked up from you and a few other people coming through the program. But for me, the, the very simple, straightforward thing with anything is just be nice. Most of the time, just being courteous and kind of being a colleague to them, just as much as they're going to be a colleague to us, makes all the difference in the world. Granted, that doesn't work every time, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit here. But uh, yeah, for me, it's just start off being nice, be upbeat, happy. If we call them and we're in a bad mood, they're going to be in a bad mood to listen to us. So, so like when I approach these situations, truly, I have some rules of engagement, and I think this is important for people, especially when you're talking about interns or new people on the, the conversation side of it. Number one, and I think Tanner nailed it, is be courteous, be conversational, like you both said. Introduce yourself, hey, I'm Drew Kelno. I have a patient that I want to admit for ACS rule out, or I want you have to come down to evaluate for appendicitis, whatever the case may be, but do it in a really nice, courteous way, a friendly way. Number two is never escalate the situation. So if you're getting pushback from your, your consultant, let them be the one that escalates. You always stay cool, calm, and collected. That's number two. Number three is, and this is actually one of the ones I hate the most is don't be apologetic, right? So I don't ever apologize for calling a consultant, even if it's three in the morning. I might say, thank you for returning my phone call. I really appreciate you getting back to me so quickly, but I'm not gonna apologize for 
one, doing my job, and two, asking the consultant to, the, to do their job. And then the last one is, is don't downplay why you're calling. Yeah. And so point in case is, I was in the ED the other day, and there was an off-service intern working in the ED, and she was calling a, a surgery consult. She happened to be talking to another intern, so it was a very congenial conversation. But she started off the conversation, she goes, hey, this is kind of a weak consult. And I was like, time out, number one, you never put yourself on the defensive. You don't downplay the situation. Mm -hmm. You've made the decision, or your attendants made the decision, or whoever has made the decision, that we need to do this consult, we need to do this admission. Your job now is not to downplay, because as soon as you open that window for weakness, you downplay what's going on, you're gonna get pushback. It might not be angry pushback, it might not be mean pushback, but it's going to be, well, clearly you don't think this is a legitimate consult, so why should I take it seriously too? So those are kind of my four rules of engagement, and typically just following those four rules, life goes pretty well. Juan, have you had any major issues with consultants? Uh, I think I've gone through um, different like, you know, phases regarding consultation of uh, consultants because and residency, I don't think that was something that was stressed enough mm. when I trained. Um, so um, it used to be the one like talking to them about everything on the patient. You know, I'm of course being nice and gorgeous and friendly and all that. Uh, but I would just give them too much information, spend too much time on the phone talking to the consultant and, and you know, giving sometimes information that would make them question uh, the consult or kind of uh, defer to other services. Uh, so I, I think that going through different um, experiences and, and like the fellowship when I went to, to Baltimore to train and um, that helped me to kind of focus on how to talk to consultants. Then coming to doctors, um, that also helped me a lot, knowing about, you know, this is what you have to do. The initial sentence, you know, you greet them and this is what I'm calling you for and this is what I want to do with the patient. And um, and that pretty much does it for me. I mean, and you have a different that take sentence. on this kind of because as as the attending, as a supervisor doctor, mm -hmm. oftentimes when you're on the phone, yeah. you're on the phone because the resident failed to convey what they wanted to convey, right? Or the attending escalated, the consultant escalated the situation to the point that the resident ER can't handle it anymore. So you probably see some kind of tricky situations where you have to talk somebody off the ledge a little bit, right? So are you talking in particular when the resident you know tries to sell a case and suddenly I have the phone in my Just, hand trying yeah, to... Yeah, the point at which yeah. the resident starts and the phone ends up in your hand. So now you're, I mean, you're the last, you're the piece de, you know, de la right. resistance in the ER. The buck stops with you. At, at that time, I feel like, uh, you know... Sorry, that was like, long language. I apologize for, for not using you know, Espanol. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. So, <laughs> acceptable. So anyway, uh, what happens in this situation, you know, there's some already um, attitudes towards the case. So it's kind of difficult to kind of backpedal from that situation. So you listen to the consultant, see what what is it, what the problem seems to be, and 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 try to come up with a solution. You know, it sometimes it requires you to, you know, listen to what is it that they they need from us and compromise into okay. So you'll take the patient. Um, you want me to call such and such and do whatever. I can do that. Um, after that, I'm going to put a note saying that I talked to that person, the recommendations, if I, they said that there's something really drastic in the management, then uh, of course we'll talk and we'll address it differently. But uh, I, when I see that phone come my way, uh, I'm not going to try to escalate even more the situation. So you have to, 
you know, the escalated, and that will be compromising to some. And you have to be the peacemaker, right? And, and figure out what the issue is in the situation. And I actually, you're the other uh, the other night doc uh, at our hospital. One time, I I I cringe if I ever have to hand the phone to my to my attending. It's like this is a huge failure by me, but. I started off a conversation within 30 seconds. The attending I was talking to at 3 in the morning wanted nothing to do with me. And so I hand the phone to the other night doc. And it was, uh, he's, he's a ninja, uh, there's no doubt, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll support that himself. But yeah. he went into the social reasons why this doc was upset. It had nothing to do with my presentation and the patient we were consulting. It was the fact that he was in surgery until after midnight and he had just gotten home and he had just fallen asleep and mm -hmm. his pager goes off right. and he was being woken up for what, when he first listened to my story, he thought was a trivial thing, but it wasn't trivial, but he just, he couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. And I listened to the, the attending basically not talk anything about the case, but go, I understand you're tired, I know this is hard, you know, it's, it's, we, we wouldn't call you unless we needed to call you. Okay. And he really, Played, you know, this whole psychological game with the with the consultant, and after five minutes, the consultant had, was off the ledge. He was happy again, and and life went on the way, and we got what we needed. I think that's that's really what it comes down to, though, is that when we're calling a consultant, ninety nine percent of the time it's because we truly need them for their expertise. It's not because of anything else other than that we know a little about a lot. They know a lot about a little. We need that expertise to be like. No, this is okay to go home, or this is okay to go somewhere else, or whatever, versus us, which was like, yeah, we recognize something's wrong here, or not quite right, but we don't know what to do with it. It's like, it, it, we're not calling them for no reason. And, and I think that goes back to what Andy said at the start, which is start off the conversation with what do you want or what do you need? Right. And so if you're talking to your admitting physician, if this is a medicine physician, you say, hey, I have a patient that I want to admit for, so now they know right away. If this is a consultant, this is a situation where you say, I need your help, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's a slam duck appendicitis, you just call them and say, hey, I have CT confirmed appendicitis on a patient with right lower quadrant pain and a white count. Can you come down and evaluate the patient? cool, game over. But if you have somebody who you're concerned for an acute abdomen, CT scan results are, you know, they're equivocal, maybe there's a little leukocytosis, but it's not bad, and there's nothing that you can clearly say this is what it is, mm -hmm. you're going to call your, your surgery consultant and say, hey, I need your help. I have a patient down here that I am no longer comfortable managing. I need your expertise to further risk stratify them to see is this somebody that we sent home with a short leash to come back? Do we put them in the hospital and watch them? Or is this somebody that you take to surgery? And when you tell somebody, I need your help, I need your expertise, they're not going to turn you away because mm -hmm. you, you've admitted that you need them. Mm -hmm. It's when you, you almost have to admit that need and then the conversation just starts off on the right foot. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that Juan brought up that's important um, that you did when you were a resident, and we probably see our interns do it. Almost every time I talk on the phone, is you you can say too much with a consultant. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So to add to Drew's four things, is the fifth one is keep it concise. And for me, if I'm on the phone longer than a minute, then I probably failed that consultation. Unless if it's somebody that I know real well and we're shooting the crap about our kids or about what our wife's doing or hey, what are you doing next weekend? But if it's true, I'm just talking about the patient after a minute. I have not conveyed myself enough to where they either want to act or really I'm digging myself a hole to where they're just not going to care. Mm -hmm. The best, the best conversations I feel like that are for consultants are the ones where I call them. I said, "Hey, this is Tanner. Here's what's going on," and then they just ask the questions that they want, and it's over. Like it just goes short and sweet. There's no problems either side. And then I always thank them for taking the call because okay, say thank you. It's great. Thank yous, thank yous are awesome. Not not huge on apologies, but I, I do like the thank yous. 
I like, I like to start off the first time I talk to uh, my admitting physician, my, my hospitalist. Hey, how you doing tonight? How, how's it been going? Oh, it's a little crazy down here in the ER. So, you know, not sorry, but probably going to be calling you a fair amount because I got some sick people down here. This is just a start. Kind of, you know, that, that kind of cordial back and forth. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about talking to people on the phone. Before we go into difficult consultants or difficult situations, because that's ultimately where we're going to end up. There's some things that we can do outside of that phone call that really improve our relationships with our admitting physicians and our consulting physicians. So what do you guys do outside of the ER when you're in the hospital or in other situations that, that, that you think improves your ability to get things done on the phone when you need to get them done? Yeah, I know probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I got throughout all residency was from one of our older... I love that you say, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. It's a very Midwest thing to say. And I think you have a mix of Montana and Midwest in you, and you just, it, it, these isms are in, inescapable. Oh. What did he say? It's completely yeah, true. Yeah, no. Yes, no. It doesn't make any sense. I have nothing. And, and it's I not, have no argument. Here. It's and it's not, it's not our intensivist. Oh, yeah, no. Where she, she's setting you up for the no. You're, you're actually just going, yeah, no. <laughs> You can take that out. I wonder where that came from. It really doesn't make any sense. No sense, no, at, all. Make sense at all. I never really thought what about it. Before. What's the Spanish translation for yeah, no? See, no. See, no. <laughs> Which is like what? It makes no sense. But, right. So, get to know them. You were about to drop drop the knowledge on this is something. This was advice I had gotten. It was one of the best pieces of advice in developing relationships. One of the best pieces I got was from one of our older attendings, Dr. Tamika, who's no longer with us. Um, not because he's dead. He <laughs> May he rest in peace. Uh, the one thing he told me when I was an intern, I thought I was like, wait, what? The first thing, he, first thing he told me when I started his intern, first shift with him, is he said, Andy, you need to go to the PDR and talk to people. Right. And he said, look, whenever you're not in the department, when you're on IM, when you're on ortho, you need to hang out where the physicians hang out. Go, sh go chew the fat, read the paper, you know, meet people, go around and say, hey, I'm Andy Little, I'm one of the interns, I'm going to be here for the next four years. And he says, when you're on the floor and you see one of your IM docs, be like, hey, how are you? I think I've talked to him on the phone before. He says, build a personal relationship to them to where it's easy. Because when you call him on the phone, you say, hey, I'm Andy. You've known me for three years. You know I'm a good guy. I worked hard when I was on your service. I always have a smile on my face. Rather than, hey, I'm Andy. I'm that jerk who never talked to you. And I'm the one that gives you those glaring stares as I walk by when we're on the floor. Because the IM doctors want to know my patients. But really, it's go to where the other you do sometimes do that. Yeah. But, but it's go, go to where, where the physicians, physicians are. And I feel like that's probably the biggest issue with like our night docs is that there's really no active service on nights. Well, it's hard as an attending, right, in general, because you spend your entire day or your shift in the ER. So uh, how do you manage that? Like, what, what's your what's your approach? Because you have pretty cordial relationships with a lot of consultants, and yet you're just an ER guy. Well, I have to agree with Andy. Uh, I mean, I, I've never heard that before, uh, going and trying to get to know your consultants. And uh, again, it could be in the cafeteria, could be any of the hospital activities. Um, and that takes you, definitely helps a lot, uh, you know, during your consultations. Um, um, normally, I don't identify myself as an attending unless we have to play that game. Uh, and, and unfortunately, when you say attending, things just do change. It's kind of like a drop the mic, right? Oh, by the way, I'm the attending. Right, and, um, and some people pay attention to that, and they will listen closely, and um, they would, you know, accept the consultation, the admission, or whatever you're calling for. Um, some other people uh, might get even, you know, upset about that, um, especially um, 
um, services such as surgery or subspecialties. You try to play that attending game, of course, they're going to be, oh, I'm such and such, and I'm over you, and, and they'll try to make you pay for that. Um, and, uh, and I've experienced that, too. And even, you know, calling for the right reasons, um, you just get penalized because doing that after they just finish their little uh, temper tantrum that would address uh, the reason for the call and it eventually works out, but it's just a little painful in the process. So uh, for the most part, it works okay. You know, it's just as we've been discussing, you know, you identify yourself, uh, not necessarily with all these merits you have, but, um, as someone taking care of a patient and um, be concise, brief about it, and get them admitted. And, um, and that usually works. Or, you know, get the service that patient needs. And, and uh, not because I'm an attending, because I don't see that all the time, but just mentioning the things we've been discussing, it's pretty uh, effective, uh, I would say 90% of the time or more. I think you touched on really probably the, the, the last and most important part of this, as you said, you want to make sure you get your patient with you. Right. And I think that regardless if a consultant goes south or if it's yeah. a good or bad relationship, yeah. you still have a patient has yeah. a need. Whether you have to keep it cool. Whether you the hospital, yeah. evaluation by a subspecialist, and you have to make sure you get that for your patient. So, yeah. Um, Drew brought up a good point, never escalate the situation. Yeah. I've all of us have been there where you know, the other person is almost egging you yeah. on to escalate the situation. So where it's really hard sometimes to be cordial on the yeah. phone. But just remember, you're not, you're not, this isn't about you. Yeah. You're advocating for somebody who has a need that you're trying yeah. to help. I mean, um, I had a, an example. I called like a year ago this surgeon that uh, was in Grant. And I don't know what was the problem. Uh, I probably, I should have called the resident, cover him for his surgery, and not him directly. And uh, I think he was very upset at the beginning. He said really bad things. And he went on and on for a while. But I let him finish and, and uh, once he was done with that so how can he help you then okay let's just talk about the patient which is the reason for this call and uh, and after that you know he was I mean he was not nice he was still like sour about the whole thing but he said this is what you have to do and provided the information we needed so that was all that mattered you know if, if I would have like continued trying to put information there to continue escalating the situation it would have been really bad um, you know, after the fact, you know, you always talk about these things with your like supervisors and uh, to see whether they have any suggestions about how to approach things like that. And they always say, "Well, I think you did the right thing. Uh, um, we we know him. He does those things." And um, and you know, and, and uh, Andy said, ultimately, it's just about the patient and getting them what they need. So. So you bring up one of my favorite techniques once the situation has escalated and Tanner's laughing across the table because he does I, I didn't say it earlier because I was waiting And I have witnessed this technique. So it is it's amazing. oddly effective. So oh, which one is that? There's, there's the rules of engagement, right? And, and those rules keep things, I would say, 95% of the time off. Most of the conversations we have are cordial conversations. They go, they go off without a hitch. Maybe they're friendly. Maybe they're just matter of fact. Whatever the case may be, you say, I need this. I'm looking for this. Mm -hmm. Can you do this? They say, yes, I will come evaluate. Yes, admit them case over, ask a few questions. And, and as a quick side note, I think when people start off in medicine, they're afraid to have too many questions asked. I don't care if my consultants want to ask a bunch of questions, my attendees want to ask a bunch of questions, if they're appropriate questions. I, I will give you all the answers I have, and if I don't have the answers, I'll tell you I don't have them, and if that's something that we both agree that we need to get, then we'll get them. Uh, kind of like Andy and Tanner both said, that you, you give that short presentation and let them ask the questions that they want to hear. They're totally mm -hmm. appropriate. 
So this escalated situation, like you were talking about, the surgery consultant who just goes off on a tirade. You, you, I think you did what I support doing without realizing that you did it, which is that you don't necessarily say the next thing. You let them, they get mad, they yell, they say everything that they want to say, and then they stop. And you don't say the next word. Let them say the next word. Let, it, let the, the yelling marinate across the connection so they can really feel what they did. It's an awkward silence for the person on the other end of the phone. For you, it's not awkward at all. In fact, you probably stopped listening at that point and have raised the phone up for everyone else in the ER to hear what Drew has done multiple times. The attending is doing, or the consultant is doing. And then the next thing that comes on the phone, over the phone, is typically much more polite. It's either a straight-up apology, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say X, Y, and Z, or to go off on that tirade, or it is a simple, hey, are you still there? Which has now broken the tension, right? The tension has been broken, and your response to it can be multiple things. I don't agree with escalating again, but this is your small window of opportunity to get exactly what you want from that person you're talking to, which is, oh yeah, I'm still here, um, so I can expect you to come down to the ED and evaluate the patient. I really appreciate it. Or, so um, you're okay with admitting this patient to the floor, or whatever it is you need, you just need to say that in a, in a collegial way. And this is not just my personal fact. In fact, I was... I was on a run with a, a friend who just uh, finished up his MBA in business school and we were talking about these kind of things and got on the topic and this is actually a, a type of, it's a negotiation tactic that they use in business to get what you want after somebody gets upset and escalates the situation. So that's crucial conversation. Crucial conversation. So that's the great. Now, sometimes that doesn't work or sometimes the situation's not appropriate and you just have to lay the smack down. And we are about to the time of year where the smackdown has to be laid a little bit because new interns are about to be running through the hospital. And you give them a leash for a few weeks and then every once in a while, not that I support this all the time, but I do think every once in a while it is okay to just put somebody in their place. Oh, yeah. This phone call has been recorded. <laughs> are you familiar with Mtala? Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> typically, you don't have to permeate much after July, though. Right. Every once in a while in July, there has to be a... All right. I know you have big white pants on, but... And usually, it's more of just getting somebody up to date on what's going on in the hospital. So that's not actually how this works, right? So my patient's been intubated. They're appropriate for the ICU. They're coming there, whether you new ICU fellow are accepting or not. I'm happy to call your attorney. You know, like, these are easy things to say. Yeah. So. I usually say, I know El Chapo. <laughs> and that pretty much takes care of it. Done. There's uh, <laughs> just for a plug of if, if people want to read something good, that book Crucial Conversations actually is a phenomenal book. It is a phenomenal read uh, for how to how to talk in situations that are high tension, high confrontation. Um, it gives you multiple tactics and, and approaches to evaluate these conversations and do well. Or so. no espico. <laughs> also, that works. There's also a, there's a podcast to listen to. Uh, we talked a lot about it without saying the word, but the concept of tribalism in medicine. Uh, Victoria Brazel does this incredible talk from Smack Gold from a few years ago. I couldn't do it any justice here, so I'm not going to try. It's a great 20 to 30 minute uh, listen. And I think it was redone on MCRIT or uh, one of the other podcasts recently, too. So and we'll make sure we post this show. So I think that's been a good session, guys. This has uh, been one of our best, I'd have to say. So thank you, Juan, for really? staying awake Did for I us. Help? Yeah. We, appreciate <laughs> we appreciate all the paces the M brings to the table. And, uh, uh, yeah. They know my paces here, too. So it's okay. <laughs> we look forward to uh, future sessions with you in the, in the future if you're willing to come back. Post-night shift with the Bloody Mary. Yes, I will. Um, and I think that's a wrap.